Welcome to Blog Talk Radio in high fidelity. And welcome to the first in the summer series of the Instant Offense Podcast. I'm James Holis, a.k.a. Snotty Drippin', a.k.a. Uh, basketball Know-It-All um, over at B-Ball Breakdown. So, uh, yeah, this year I want to do things a little different. Last year I was going team by team, and there's it's impossible to get 30 teams done, especially if you're lazy like me. Um, I guess that's too many. It's still a huge podcast, and that'll be two giant podcasts with a lot of a lot of bulk in there. So I broke it up by division. Um, and as you all know, and when listening should know, there's uh, what six divisions, five teams per division. I just uh, I picked the most what I thought the most interesting team was in each division. And I got somebody who I, I, I thought could uh, come and represent that that team and division pretty well. So we're starting off with the uh, the Southwest. And uh, Dallas did some interesting things this offseason. Uh, Dallas has all been one of those teams that I think we overrate and underrate at the same time. I thought they missed the playoffs last year. You know, silly me. Rick Carlisle's a wizard. So joining us for uh, to cover the Dallas Mavericks and the rest of Southwest Division, I got Tim Cato, uh, editor-in-chief over at MavsMoneyBall.com. Tim, what's up, man? Hey, how you doing, James? I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay, man. At the end of the show, I'll ask you to, to grade me on my intro. Hope hope I did all right for you. All right, all right. At the end, though. At the end. I can do that. Uh, yeah, man. So this offseason has been crazy so far. Um, and I'm, I'm going to apologize to you and all that, all of Mavs Nation. I always I always think you guys are going to miss the playoffs. Always. Um, this year, <laughs> it looks like looks like ESPN, um, like ESPN agree with me, which is – that's not a real big feat because ESPN can be wrong a lot. Um so I, I myself look at Mavs Moneyball a lot, and I actually checked it out. I was, you know, do a little prep for the show, and you know, you wrote on how ESPN predicts the Mavs are going to go about forty and forty-two, miss the playoffs. Um, then the guys over at CBSSports.com they came up with the best starting lineups, and Dallas came in, I think, thirteenth with the eighth best starting lineup in the West. All right, so that's a little, a little difference there to how people view Dallas uh, this offseason. I also looked at what you guys wrote over there as a group. You guys had a group post talking about the win totals, and a lot of a lot of the people over at Mavs Moneyball are pretty high on, uh, pretty bullish on what you have done so far this offseason. I see a lot of people saying, you know, fifty wins wouldn't be a surprise. Things, like that, but there's a good chance we get fifty. Um, so let's look a little deeper. Dallas uh, just took off to Memphis. Um, Wes Matthews would be a year healthier. Dirk broke the bank. Uh, you brought in two ex warriors, so you got championship experience. But I mean, the guys who I guess Golden State thought were uh, kind of kind of uh, expendable. You got Andrew Bogut, who still can play some defense uh, when he's healthy, and you got the you got the pretty much the the mystery prize of the whole offseason. You got Harrison Barnes. We've been talking for years about how Harrison Barnes is going to break the bank, but no one knows what he really is still because of his role, and you know he wasn't asked to do much in in Golden State. So we're going to kick off the. Uh, well, first, let me ask you a little bit. So how long have you been over there at, at Mavs Moneyball? Uh, this is five five years for me at, at Moneyball. And then, uh, you know, SB Nation, I've, I've been SB Nation proper for a couple of years, you know. Uh, you know, actually actually going to 
be doing more national stuff next season, but still based in Dallas, still still running Moneyball, and uh, you know, still call myself a Mavs fan, even if it's a little bit different these days. With you know, when you cover the team full time, you you can't be quite as emotionally invested in them. But you know, it's it's a fun gig, and yeah, I'm still still out there repping as a Mavs fan. Yeah, man. So you're you're an OG. I've been following you for a while, and you all seem really balanced, really fair. But let me ask you this: I actually, I actually kind of got into it with a couple other uh, beat writers and and team bloggers over this. Do you think, as as a Mavs centric uh, writer blogger, uh, you know, you cover mostly the Mavs? Do you think that that makes you maybe more impartial, or like do you grade them? Do you think you you maybe are harsher, or do you think you might have the tendency to go easier, or do you think it's it's really easy to stay impartial when you do that? Uh, it can, it can get hard. Uh, I mean, it's, I feel it just depends on the thing. Like sometimes I, I realize that I, I have biases that I'm kind of falling into and I'll, I'll recognize that and try to readjust. And, but there's other times where I grade the team pretty harshly. And there, there was actually people complaining that our site graded them. You know, our site as a whole was just too harsh this off season. And looking back, looking at back with a, uh, you know, with a, with a hindsight view, you know, I think we might've been in a, in a few areas or, or maybe didn't balance out the, uh, the negative with the positive. So, I mean, it's, it just depends. Uh, I, I think that for me, it's, it's just realizing that, you know, like, you know, Rick Carlisle is, is, you know, as, as much as I like him as a coach, you know, he, he can also make mistakes and sometimes he's just wrong. And it's realizing things like that when, when you have these set opinions about, about a team and just realizing that, you know, sometimes it's going to work out differently or sometimes, you know, there's nothing is absolute. So um, it's, it's a mix and it can definitely be both, but uh, I, I think I do a pretty good job balancing it. You know, I, I give it a shot. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll be the judge of that at the end of this show. Uh, so, so let me <laughs> ask you, let let me ask you, no. So, so judging from the, the key uh, additions and losses uh, Dallas had last year, uh, obviously Zaza has gone too, right? Um, so great Dallas is off season for me. I've I've been saying probably a B minus. Um, I I don't like the way they came into the offseason. I don't like the plan they had uh, going for Mike Conley and Hassan Whiteside and choosing to let uh, Chandler Parsons go. I, I really was not a fan of that from the start, and then obviously it bombed on them. Um, I think they got lucky to to do what they did to be able to jump to be able to jump on Barnes and Bogut. Uh, obviously had Kevin Durant not chosen the Warriors, they they had no way to get those two. And I really am not sure exactly what their offseason would have, how, how it would have ended up. Um, you know, they, they probably would have swung a trade somewhere that would, that would have worked out. But, but it, was, it was certainly not a good situation had Kevin Durant returned to the Thunder. So in that case, they got really lucky. But at, at the same time, you have to, you know, give them some credit for what did happen. Um, you know, they picked up a, a decent, you know, a, a quality starter in Barnes. You know, I have a lot of mixed feelings on him. But, uh, you know, he's at least a good starter. Um, you know, Bo gets a really solid center. And then they made some, you know, smaller moves on the bench that I was a fan of. Uh, I really liked the Seth Curry signing and uh, interested to see what Quincy AC can do. So uh, I, I think a B minus, you know, maybe C plus for or like or just a C uh, for the way they came into the offseason. But then a B plus from the way they kind of salvaged it is, is kind of how I'm falling on them. Yeah. Yeah. I like the Quincy. Thing. I'm just I'm just I mean. Until we see it, Harrison Barnes is basically just uh, a cipher. He's an X factor. We we have no idea what to expect from him. Did he not do a lot in Golden State because he wasn't asked to do a lot, or did he just fill in the role that he could fill in the best he could because that's all he can do, and it just didn't matter because they were so good elsewhere? Uh, what do you think about the Bogut? What do you think Bogut has left in the tank? 
Uh, that's that's a good question because you know he played about 22 minutes, 21 minutes per game last year, and so he's he's obviously not going to play that few. He can't. You know the Mavericks need more out of him. Uh, but but how high can they push his minutes and still keep him healthy for you know at least 65 games? You know he'll he's going to miss 15. That's going to happen. It happens to him every year. But can can they keep him healthy for 65 games and keep him playing about 28 minutes a game? Uh, so, so if they can, then I, I like, I really like their defensive chances to be, you know, maybe even push for the top, a top 10 defense this year. Uh, you know, he's, he's really solid in the middle. Of course, you know, he's, he's, he's smart. He knows where to go. He's, uh, he's just a force and, uh, he'll clearly be an improvement over, um, over Zaza Pachulia last year. But, you know, if, if he's, if he's not healthy, if, if he's, if he's constantly missing time or if he's hampered most of the year, then that's obviously a problem. And, He's getting older, so the, the chances that he's going to stay healthy are are growing smaller as as we go on season to season. Yeah, an underrated aspect of that that uh, comeback by Cleveland was the fact that Bowie missed what I think with that the bum knee, and I mean that it does matter. Yeah, even though he only played so. 20, yeah, so even though he played twenty one minutes, the fact that he, he he set the tone defensively early, and then they'd be able to bring him in you know, early in the second half, or you know bring him in in spots when they were hemorrhaging points. And he would kind of calm everything down. He's not a great leaper or anything, but he's really smart in the middle. So um, that is a good pickup for you guys. Um, all, along with him, my man, Justin Anderson, he showed me a lot in the playoffs. I was high on him even coming into the season last year. I think we're a little something about it. And um, he really, it's weird. He, he didn't get minutes for so long. Uh, he seems like he, you, you finally, like Dallas has finally hit gold in the, in the, in the draft, which they haven't done in a while. What took so long for him to get in the lineup, and and what do you think going forward? What's what's he going to look like this season? He clearly was not as good at the start of the year. I I thought he should have played more, you know, around February in March. Uh, he he kind of like got he got into the rotation I think full time in March. I thought he should have played more before that. But every time I talk to him, and every time I I people ask him about that, he always said he wasn't ready. He always is really supportive of Rick Carlisle. So. You could say that's Carlisle's biggest flaw is that he doesn't always trust rookies. But, you know, there's reasons for that. It's hard to play rookies. They just make small mistakes, you know, little things that they just, you know, it's just a learning process, little mistakes that, that hurt you in the long run. So, you know, in some ways I disagree with that. But in other ways, you know, I, I get why Carlisle is so uh, unwilling to trust them. But but clearly once he did and once Anderson got into the rotation, he was he was so, so, so very good. You know, he's he's a super athlete. He has a knack for just running people down on blocks or, or being in the right place for a steal. So I, I really like his defensive potential. Um, and then his offense is just something that's going to, I mean, that's that's going to be the thing that affects his ceiling more than anything else. But, you know, obviously he believes he can, he has a, a, a ceiling as high as he can go. So, I mean, that's that's the right mentality you want from him. He's, uh, he's already 24, so he's a little bit older, 23 or 24. Um, but, right. but, you know, I, I like his offensive game. I think that he can do, do some things. His three-point shot is his mechanics are much better than they were um, in college. You know, you can see some improvement on those lines. So, you know, I I think I think very highly of him. I think he's definitely a starter uh, here a couple of years down the road, and in, in all likelihood. Yeah, man. And the more I look at it, um, Wes Matthews has long been known as a great defender. Uh, if Justin Anderson can, can live up to his reputation as a defender, and you got Bogut, you got all the framework of really good defense. And uh, I saw the guys over at Mavs Moneyball were saying the same thing. And you just said earlier, you know, we maybe grab a top 10 defense. Um, Wes Matthews, I mean, he had a, you know, pretty major injury two years ago. Last year, he was all right. I think you'd agree with that. He wasn't, you know, he wasn't great. He wasn't back to old Wes Matthews. But he, he played 
pretty well. And especially in the playoffs, he seemed like he was finding that footing again. Coming into this season, what do you expect? And what's the word? I'm not sure about the timeline for his injury. I think he blew out his uh, Achilles, correct? Achilles, yeah, and it was in March of last year. Right. So, I mean, I'm not sure exactly how long it's till. Is he is is he slated to be back to 100? percent What do you expect out of this year? And and where would you rank him among the current two guard crop? Yeah, I would I would like to see, or I would like to think that he'll be a little better this year. Um, he had he had one really good month last season uh, where he just like was lights out shooting, had 10 three pointers in a game. But in all, overall, he was you know like you said, just really average. His numbers were down. His his percentages were down. Um, clearly, you know he looked. There's there's times where it might have been less about the injury, you know, like in March and April, and more about just the, the sheer number of minutes he was playing because he he didn't have a season an off season worth of conditioning like he normally would. So so I wonder how much that was a factor. So so yeah, give him a full season. He's a year. He's more than a year removed from the Achilles injury. It's it's still incredible that he was able to play, um, you know, at the start of the season last year in November. That's still insane to me. Um, you know, it's it's almost as short of a re recovery time we've seen for an Achilles injury um, in years but that he was able to do that you know you'd like to think that he'll be a little bit better shoot you know hit a little bit more shots and you know just bring that same defensive mentality and um, you add that up with Anderson and then Bogut and uh, you know Darren isn't bad Darren Williams is not bad Barnes is good Um, so add that all together and you really think you really look at this team and think that it could be defensively really stout. Yeah, and then except at one, well, two positions really. There's Dirk, who we know, you know, uh, to say he hasn't been a strong defender the last few years is probably overstating it. But we'll get to that. Here's the question: Point guard. Uh, we know the league right now is rife with talented point guards. Russ, uh, Russell Westbrook, Steph Curry's the man right now. Uh, you know, I guess he wasn't quite right in the playoffs. People say, I whatever. Steph Curry, Chris Paul. Uh, you know, Kyrie was was balling in the, in the finals. There's so many just high quality point guards that if you don't have a point guard who can at least and, 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 uh, and, and try to balance out at least kind of like a zero sum at his position, you're kind of in trouble behind the eight, the eight ball. I guess right now, Deron Williams is the starting point guard and I'm not even sure who you guys brought in to back him up. Did you, because I think Felton went to the Clippers, right? Seth Curry is, is probably the backup. Oh, Okay, so so Seth Curry, who's still a large unknown, uh, he's 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 shown flashes yep. when he was in Sacramento. Um, so yeah, talk to me, but a little about that point guard position because I mean, the head of the snake. If the head of the snake's not right, it's hard to get everybody else right. And we know that Rick Carlisle is notoriously kind of hard on point guards. So uh, yeah, go ahead talk talk a little bit about that. I th- I think Carlisle worked pretty well with with Darren last year, so that's a good sign. You know, I, I there was never any buzz that those two were getting at it. So I so I agree that Carlo has been hard on point guards, but I think he I think he meshes pretty well with Darren. The concern with him is injuries, of course, and he was he had a relatively healthy season last year, and he wasn't even that healthy. He had you know he, I think he played sixty five games or so, and you know was got shut down at the end of the playoffs with a with a hernia thing. So. You know, there's there's clearly concerns about that, concerns whether he's going to be right, because he, he said in the offseason coming into the year that, you know, this is as good as he ever felt in a few years. You know, he hasn't been healthy entering a season and, you know, in like two or three years. And then still he had a very similar injury plague season regardless. So, you know, the, the point is that he's going to get injured. Like, that's, that's just going to happen. He's not going to be at 100% for, for stretches of the season. So, you yeah. know, it's it's a tough situation they have there, and they really need a strong point guard like him 
you know, to, to get this offense running like they need to, because there's not a lot of other ball handlers and, and creators on the team. And so Darren kind of stands out with that. Um, so yeah, they, they need him healthy. And if he's not, then things, things get a lot dicier because you're, you're left with JJ Brea and Seth Curry. Those are kind of the two guys that will be splitting the backup position. And then also, you know, playing some two guard lineups and two point guard lineups and stuff. So um, yeah, it's it's a concern. Uh, it's good that he's at least has the size to, you know, not give up a lot on defense, even if he isn't a great defender by any means. But uh, whether he can stay healthy, um, I would say he's he's as as an important like outside of Dirk, he's probably the person you need to stay healthy more than anyone else on the team. Even like Bogut or even even Barnes, I think you can survive a loss of them for 20 games, but. Darren Williams going down for 20 in a row will be very tough for this team to to uh, kind of manage and, and get past. Uh, yeah, so and just this is probably why I always kind of bet against Dallas is because I I, I can't stand Barea. He's one of those players in the league that I I, I just hate him. Delhi, um, for some reason Boris Diaw he can play, but I just I hate their guts. So uh, Evan Turner, so I probably a little bias against Dallas in the past. Um, so, so go ahead, lay it on me. Let's let's talk a little bit about Dirk. We haven't touched talked about uh, Dirk. Dirk's been outstandingly excellent for years now. We we can sit here and talk superlatives and and, and glow about Dirk forever. But I mean, what is he? Thirty eight now. Thirty thirty eight. Yes. Yep. So Dirk's thirty eight. We know we he moves like Herman Munster. He uh he just <laughs> he's not speeding at the floor. He can't change direction. Uh, he gives it us all, and it's crazy. He can still just give you 24 to 26 in any given night. Uh, it's, he's he's amazing. But how much does he have left in the tank? And how did you feel about him getting this uh, this Kobe kind of thank you, farewell kind of deal? I personally tell you, I, I, say, I was – yeah, go no, you go first. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think a lot of people have mentioned the Kobe part of it, and I think that's a little bit uh, – I, I don't think it's quite accurate to me. And and clearly, I, I have a little bit of bias here. I would say Dirk's the guy I have I'm more biased about than anyone else because he's my dude. But I, I don't I don't think it's quite the same as the Kobe contract um, in the, in the sense that the Mavericks could give him, but it, it, for a few reasons. So, so first, the Mavs had the space to give to him. Uh, they had his bird rights. They manipulated his bird rights. It was it wasn't like they they forwent another free agent to give him this money um, because they had they had the bird rights, so they could go as far over the cap to give him his 25 million like they did. Um, so, so they they happily did that. Um, I would also say that Dirk's more productive than Kobe was in his last couple of years. Uh, Dirk still, you know, he's still putting up, he led the team in scoring last year. He's still putting up points efficiently, uh, you know, shooting 47, 48% from the field, hitting threes. Um, he's still a really, really good offensive player. And it's, it's incredible that, you know, at his age that he's still producing like he has been, uh, offensively, but you know, he's, he's still going at it and it's still working out for him. Um, I would say that his offense is still, you know, making up for his defense at this point because his defense is very bad. <laughs> there's, there's no other way around it. It's, it's not, not good these days. You know, he's, he's stiff and he doesn't move well. Uh, he's always been a smart defender, so that helps him a little bit. Um, even, even back 10 years ago, I always thought he was a smart defender. Uh, his body just always couldn't do what, you know, his mind wanted it to do uh, when it's moving laterally on defense and all, that, all those things. But, you know, he's, he's a – He's, he's still so good offensively that you can make up for that. You can still play him 30 minutes a night. Um, so so he's, he's, clearly, he's clearly good for the team. Uh, he's probably going to lead the team in scoring again, uh, even at the age 38. I, I don't see any reason to believe that he's about to fall off, especially since he was better last year than he was probably the, 
a couple seasons before that when he admitted he had some injury problems and just didn't feel right. And he, he really was happy with the way he felt last year. He talked about a lot, you know, how about at the end of the season, uh, you know, this was this is as good as it's spelled. He never really had any times where he where he um, struggled or or really went through some some uh, you know his his shot came and went a few times, but uh, he felt healthy. So I think that's important, and I think it's good that the Mavericks finally gave him that money uh, after sacrificing you know quite a bit over the last few seasons. So yeah, man, I'm uh, I'm happy for him. I'm happy. Uh, I'm happy to see him play at least one more year, and it sounds like it's going to be two more years. So. I'm glad we're not staring at the end of Dirk Nowitzki just quite yet. Yeah, and I'm going to – I am I mean, I had to let you say it because if I said the whole thing about him being way more productive than Kobe, I'm the Kobe hater as always, blah, blah. So I'm glad you said it, not me. So, yeah, it's not the same. But, I mean, he's – at the same time, he's not worth – he's not worth $25 million a year right now, but that's fine because the money was going nowhere else. I get it. Uh, you know, the offseason plans didn't come through. You're sitting on a pile of money. Why not give it to Dirk for a couple seasons? That's perfectly – that's a smart thing for, for Cuban to do, show some loyalty and show some appreciation. And he does. He does deserve it. So he's, he's not, like, out there just like Kobe Jack, and he still is a valuable part of an offense. That means a lot. So go ahead. Uh, lay it on me. you have any predictions for this year for them? Uh, give me your record prediction, and, and do they make the playoffs? I'm going to say first that I did come up with a way too early uh, – you know, playoff projections, and I had them finish, finishing 11th in the West. I didn't give a win-loss record, but I could see, like uh, ESPN said, 40, 38 to 40 wins probably. And that's – I know it's harsh, but, I mean, I just – I can't imagine everybody staying healthy, um, especially with Bogut and, you know, Dirk. Well, Dirk's been relatively healthy, but, I mean, he'll be 39 during the season, I think. So, I just can't imagine. So, this might be the year that the, the, the magic Rick Carlisle wears off. Tell me why I'm wrong. I've I've seen the magic happen too often to to count it out. So I'll say I'll say 42 or 43 wins. Uh, that's that's what I've been saying for a while. Um, the playoffs are tough. Uh, I mean, 43 wins is better than they were last year, and it still might not be enough to sneak them into the playoffs. Just because I think the bottom of the West will be a little bit better, including a couple of teams we're about to talk about. But um, let's. Oh man, uh, I'll say they finished ninth. Uh, but I, I think it comes down. I think it comes. The playoff race comes down to the last couple of weeks, and I think they have a chance to sneak in there if they just get some, you know, otherworldly performances from people. So um, we'll say we'll say 43, 43 and thirty nine, and a ninth seed finish. But you know, I'm not I'm not counting off the playoffs by any means. Okay, all my listeners out there, Dallas fans. That's uh, his name is at Tim underscore with the C C A T O. He said Dallas is guaranteed. He says Dallas is guaranteed to miss the playoffs, uh, and and they're not even going to come close. No, just I should say the beginning. Actually, you know, Tim Cato on Twitter is at Tim underscore Cato. Good follow, good guy. He keeps me in line, and um, he lets me talk all the crap I want, and then he doesn't really drill me when I'm wrong. Like I think I said, if Dallas made the playoffs, I was going to eat a hat or something, and he didn't even he didn't even hold me hold my feet to the fire about that, which I'm surprised more people have. Dallas, man. So. Uh, gonna be interesting to see what they do this year I'm, I'm really big like i said on on uh on justin anderson and and with west matthews and justin anderson if they can get it together some it, it might they might make it interesting next team i had up with the spurs man um spurs lost boris dial which i think is a really it's a bigger thing than people really are making it seem tim duncan of course retired that's huge it's those are two of the most 
those two forward, the two forward and the forward and center combo is called that. The forward and center combo there was probably their most uh, versatile and productive, and they they brought a lot to the table that you didn't see this in the stat column. So they they lost Boris Diaw and Tim Duncan. They brought in Paul Gasol and David Lee. Um, they also they're going to get another year of uh, what's the kid's name? Slow Mo. Um, yeah, Kyle Anderson. Yep, uh, uh, Simmons, the young kid Simmons, Jonathan Simmons is there. Uh, they've been kind of bringing him along slowly. He, uh, super athlete, very explosive. Um, they drafted my man with uh, who was kind of underrated, and just from what I've seen, the kid can really play. But um, did they do enough? Did they do enough? And Paul Gasol and David Lee are going to bring to the table. That's that's a good question, just because it's it's so weird that the. The Spurs, I mean, it's it's the classic, everybody else is digging, we're going to keep zagging, we're going to bring in post players, we're going to bring, you know, old stiffs who, uh, you know, who, who really operate down low, and we're just going to be like, hey, this is how we're going to play. I, I don't, we don't care that everybody else is playing a different way. So uh, it's, it's a very classic Spurs thing, but I'm, I'm nervous that, you know, as, 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 uh, as, as neat as it is to see someone go against the grain, I'm, I'm nervous that, you know, this isn't really going to work out for them, you know, without Duncan, uh, they brought in, you know, Gasol and Lee. Like they're, they're neither of them are really defenders at all at this stage in their careers. Um, really never were, but I guess I guess Powell a little bit. But you know, they're 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 low post guys. Uh, Aldridge is Aldridge is a low post guy. Um, I'm curious to see how it all works, but uh, yeah, I'm I'm definitely nervous about it. I, I just just for them them that it's it's going to come together. I, I don't think we're looking at another 60 set or 67 win season. I I just don't see that in, in their cards uh, this season. Yeah. I have been, I'm going to reference a tweet that I sent out, which is probably kind of a douchebag thing to do, but I even tweeted that, you know, RC Buford was chuckling to him. Zig when everybody else is zagging while he signed like Sharif Abdurrahim and freaking Corey Blount, because I mean, everyone wants to get younger and, and smaller and faster and, you know, spread it out the, the pace and space offense. And they bring in, two of the slowest, you know, most interior guys you can bring in. And I haven't been high in power at all the last couple of years. I get it. The numbers look good. And he's even been a plus even defensively. But I mean, sooner or later, it's, like you, the Spurs aren't playing for the regular season. They're always playing for championships and they, you know, they're, they're part of this. Take a step. They don't want to take a step back. And I think Pau Gasol and Dave Lee is a, a real step back out of all these guys they brought in. Uh, do, who do you think can be that X factor for them this year? You know, down down their way, I mean, I think Kyle Anderson or Jonathan Simmons, you know, I think it would be a very Spurs thing for one of them to break out and just be a really consistent role player. I know Anderson had good good flashes and Simmons was a factor, but you know, it would be the most most Spurs thing possible. Yeah, the most Spurs thing possible, the most Popovichian thing possible. If one of those two guys just becomes an 82 game really consistent contributor, just guy off the bench, you know, who's hitting threes and making plays and uh. You know, just knowing, watching the Spurs as long as I have, you know, I, I'm just, I'm just going to go ahead and put it down and say one of those two guys will, will kind of just break out and be that good because that's always what happens with the Spurs. They always find these people, um, just, just like Kawhi. Like I, I was, this is, this is one of the my big, my biggest misses. But I was, I was really low on Kawhi coming into the draft. I thought, I thought for sure he was going to be a bust. That I thought, thought he was just an athlete guy without enough skills, and somehow he came to San Antonio and got those skills you just learned them which you know you almost never see and I, I guess now we've learned more about his personality and how much he works hard and it makes more sense but you know it's just it's just crazy that these guys come to the Spurs and then just turn into amazing players it really is a incredible culture and and 
you know, just system they have down there. And that's why when people try to try to uh, like discount the whole system player thing, you really can't, especially in the Spurs thing, because it's not an insult. They've actually built this culture and this this whole it's like a machine where uh, a B uh, like a let's say a, a C minus player can come in, you plug him in, and if he really works hard and, and is what Pop wants, he becomes a B minus player almost. It's it's crazy, and that's not a knock on Kawhi. I think Kawhi be awesome anywhere. I don't think Kawhi turns into player that he is today on another team. And it's just because they wouldn't do things the Spurs way. They were so patient with him. They allowed him just to be a defensive guy. And obviously they're working with him behind the scenes and, you know, off season. And it's, it, it paid off. Now it doesn't say you, they can take any player and do that, but they, they've obviously done it. Um, Danny Green. I think Danny Green was had one foot out of, out of the league when he went back to San Antonio. And all of a sudden, you know, he's a value, very valuable starter and a player. Um that brings us to Tony Parker. I feel the same way about Tony Parker. I think if Tony Parker started off anywhere else, he would have had a short, speedy uh, career where he wouldn't have been a featured player, but they they have a specific, a specific role for him in San Antonio that he grew into, and then he outgrew that role and became a great a great player. That's, that's, that's good on him and good on the system. But Tony Parker, you know, he's been playing pro over in France, I think, in Europe since he was like 16. So... And at times last season, he he actually like just almost literally disappeared. He was literally just invisible on the bench too. How much do you think Tony Parker had left in the tank, man? That's oh man. I mean, I I, I hope he has some more because I you know you you got to love watching him. But it certainly looks like he's he's coming down. You know he's he's slowing down. There's no doubt about that. So um, I I think I, I wonder you know how much of their success will be based around what he can give them. Um, I, I do think that's a pretty, pretty important question for how good they'll be. You know, if you can tell me right now that Tony Parker is going to go, you know, he'll average 15 easily on 45% shooting and, and knock down some corner threes like he always does. then I'll go in and say that the Spurs could get 60 wins again. You know, I, I think they're, but you know, wow. if, if he's, if he's anything less than that, uh, if he's anything less than that, then, then who knows? And uh, I, yeah. And, you know, like you said, I think the playoffs are a bigger question for them. I, I definitely don't think they're repeating 67 wins, but, you know, I think this will be a good regular season team again, like really good, just just like they have been. You know, I, I don't see any reason for, for their regular season abilities to change. It's, it's the playoffs I'm worried about with, with Powell and Powell and, uh, Aldridge and, uh, you know, David Lee and all these people, uh, which speaking of Aldridge is another guy I've never been too high on either. So, you know, he's just never, you know, I, I think – you kind of saw it in the in the playoff series they lost where he started off super hot. He had those back-to-back, I think it was a 38 and a 40-point game. And then, you know, the the Thunder kind of just played him the same way and he just missed those shots the rest of the series. And that's essentially why they lost. Hey, uh, Tim, so I'm, I'm using my mic. and I'm getting really close so it sounds real intimate and in saying I'm actually with you with LaMarcus Aldridge. I, I don't get the hype and I'm going to get yelled at later by Spurs fans. But the guy is really good. Uh, he's good. But when you know, I, I heard him heard talk of him being uh, you know, the best port power forward in the league and top three. I don't see it because like you just like we I hate to do that because it sounds it sounds unfair to him. But when you start the playoffs off the way he did against against OKC, and then he just kind of faded back and disappeared. And we know that it's weird. Again, you said there's a thing when they should zag because they, they have a, a power forward who wants to take the shot that everyone tries to force him to take, the the, like the contested long mid-range, and he's good at it. I just don't see him being the defensive kind of player and the consistent player they need, man. So what do you think they finish in the in the West this year? 
that that close mic thing was was pretty cool though. I don't I don't think I have the suave to pull it off or or I'd give it a shot. But that was that was, that was real nice. That was real nice. Um, oh man, I, I I mean I'm putting them in second. Like I said, I think I think they'll be fine in the regular season, um, like they always are. But I, I worry I worry about them once they get to the playoffs. You know, so I'll say I'll say a second round finish. But you know, could a team that can run like the Blazers give them some trouble? Could could Memphis give them some trouble? Uh, certainly the Clippers, you'd have to imagine they, they beat them two years ago. And, uh, you know, I don't, I don't think the Spurs are pretty different and, and not quite able to, to play them. So like, like they were able to, so yeah, I would, I would say that uh, I'll put them second again in the, in the Western conference, but I, I have serious questions about them getting to the conference finals. Yeah. A big thing that we see about these teams in the playoffs. And uh, I think uh, Matt Moore is the one who really talks about a lot over at CBS sports, um, the playoff gear where teams can play a certain level, you know, they, they go by 80% all year or whatever, 75%, and hit the playoffs, and they, they they hit the gas, and they really take off. The Spurs did that a few years ago against Miami, but we haven't seen that from them since. You know, they just play almost like a metronome. They're steady, and they, they, they're good, and they're very good, and they're excellent, but they're consistently excellent at about an 85% level. And while other teams can hit that playoff gear like OKC did last year, and they all of a sudden are playing at 95 and the Spurs still at 85, and they lose. So it's, it remains to be seen if Kawhi has another level in him, if uh, LaMarcus has another level in him, and if they can really take off. Um, oh, that's another one. I, I didn't ask you this one. What percent? Well, give me what, what chance do you have of Kawhi Leonard winning the MVP this year? They're, they're going to finish top two in the West. He's obviously going to be the driving force. Uh, I think LeBron's going to kind of lunch. You know, LeBron, always, he's regular season, he knows now to take it a little easy. I think KD and Steph are going to split votes in uh, in Golden State. I mean, it seems like this might be Kawhi's year to, to get the regular season MVP. Let's go. Let's go like 50-50 or 45-45 on uh, 45% Kawhi, 45% uh, Westbrook for me, I think. Um, and you got to factor oh. in Anthony Davis, of course. I think he'll have a bounce back year. But, man, I'm, I'm pretty high on Kawhi, MVP Kawhi, and, uh, and or MVP Westbrook. I, I really like the chances of both those guys because I think they're, they're going to uh, – they both lost uh, – you know, I guess Westbrook's loss was probably a little bit bigger, but Kawhi's had Duncan within his whole career. I think I think they're both going to ball out. All right, man. Yeah, I think I think it, I, the more we talk about it and everything I just said, I think it's almost Kawhi's to lose. If he averages 23, 24 points a game, six, seven rebounds, and he, he'll start being maybe a better playmaker, I think it's his to lose. So, um, yeah, that's it. That's that's good. That's good for the Spurs. Um, I just David Lee signed it, man. Let's talk about the Grizzlies a little bit. Um, so if, if anybody out there listening, the Grizzlies got a new coach, they got Chandler Parsons, which they needed about two years ago. The shooting wing, um, Marcus Sol and Conley are back. Conley is breaking the bank $153 million. Um, is this a upend the, the Spurs in the playoffs? Is this enough in the West? I think this is the fourth best team in the West if they're healthy. Um, and the, oh. the health is clearly a big. I think it's clearly a big question because, especially with Gasol and especially with with uh, Parsons, um, I've never thought Parsons has huge injury concerns or that he's never going to be healthy again. But obviously, having two surgeries in the same knee, you know, there's there's some level of concern there. But you know, I I really like the team as they're put together right now. You know, if if you can guarantee me that Marc Gasol is going to be fine and with Conley back, um, you know, he he got paid now a lot of money, but. He's he's a great point guard, so so uh, I I like I like the starting I like the starting uh, five. I think you know they got to figure out what to do with Randolph, how exactly he factors factors in. But uh, 
yeah, man, I'm I'm pretty high on the Grizzlies if they can stay healthy, which you know it's it's that it's that question you get with probably a dozen teams every year. You know, they're like, how can can we keep them? Can can they stay healthy? You know, are they going to be okay? And last year it was like the Pelicans, and they they ended up not doing it and, and bombed out and were just terrible. But you know, every every year you got these questions. But this is one of these teams that I'm I'm pretty high on if if they can they can uh, get everybody out there and get them playing most of the season. Yeah, I think Memphis impressed me more than almost any team last year because they, the fact that they made the playoffs with, I mean, just they were just ravaged. But them and the Pelicans were just the injury. wasn't the injury bug, it was like an injury asteroid that just came and laid waste to their their franchise. I mean, every time are they bringing somebody else and that guy would get hurt, it was it was unbelievable that they were still in and winning games down towards the end of the season. Um, so that grit and grind culture deserves, like you were saying about the Spurs, it deserves a lot of credit because it's imbued and like all. Um, but I think this might be the year that Mark Gasol gets surpassed by DeMarcus Cousins and maybe a couple other centers. Because I think for the while, I think we'd all say that he was considered the best, you know, all around center in the game. But if, he, if he's not healthy, um, I, I think this is the year they also transitioned to Zach Randolph, maybe being a, a little more part time player. And I don't I just don't know how they keep starting. Tony Allen, and let me ask you, we're going to play you, you're the GM. Just saying the words, Mike Conley Jr. and, and 153 million. If you're that GM, do you pay him that much money? Because I get it. I get it. You have to overpay. You know, that's something that the market sets it. But they didn't even let it, you know, they didn't even let him test the market. They pretty much put that in front of him from day one. Mike Conley Jr. is a fine quality point guard. But I think even at his best, he's, I don't know, top seven point guard. There's, there's league. There's 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 a handful and plus I'll take in front of him. I, I get what he means to that team, but 153 million dollars. That's like it's the largest contract ever awarded in the NBA. If I'm correct, if I, if I remember correctly. So if you're yeah, the GM, yeah, it is. Yeah, it is right. If, if you're the GM, are you paying Mike Conley that? Or if if Dallas was going to pay him that, how would you feel? I mean, you. I just I just think you have to do it. I mean, yeah, it's the highest paid contract ever. But next year we're going to have two or three or four contracts that are more than that. Um, you know, obviously the max is, you know, it's, it's, it's a arbitrary. It doesn't mean necessarily that he's worth it. Or I, I think more than, more than saying Conley isn't worth it, it, it. Him getting that much money doesn't mean, you know, Kevin Durant getting the same amount of money per year means that Kevin Durant and Conley are the same. It just means that Durant should get paid more and he, he isn't able to. Um, to me, that's always been the way I've looked at max contracts and kind of the, the salary cap and the way it works. And, you know, a lot of people in, in the wake of Kevin Durant going to the Golden State, you know, in the wake of the Warriors being able to do that, I've, I've heard a lot of people argue that there shouldn't be salary caps. You know, there should be no max contracts, which would allow Durant to get, you know, $50 million a year like he's probably worth. Like, I think if he was on a truly open market, um, even if you kept the salary cap, um, but you just do it with max contracts, then he would get probably 50, you know, $50 million a year. I, th- I think that's easily uh, – you could you could see how he would get that much money because I think he's worth that much money. So you know if you looked at it that way, then you're like, oh hey Conley, you know he's he's worth that money. He's that's almost a bargain for him. So you know it's it's just a it's it's tricky and it, it gets it gets complicated and and kind of a mess when when you have to consider that you know how how much money Durant can make and that they're making the same money and all of that. And uh, certainly it's it's a ton money. I mean I'm not not denying that Conley. Um, I've never what never would have imagined that he he would have been the player signing the the largest contract ever in, in NBA history. But like I said, I mean that's that's a one time thing. That'll quickly be passed next season, most likely when the cap goes up again. 
um, even if it's not as much as we thought it might be originally. Um, so, I, I mean, I get it. I, 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 was he, is he going to, by the end of this contract, live up to that money totally? Um, I'm, I'm not sure, but I think no. for the time being, like, yeah, yeah. I mean, you had to do it though. You, you had to do it. If I was the GM, like that's, that's just the way, the way it works. That's the way the NBA works. So I, I get it, man. I, I know it's just Jesus. Uh, man, it's a lot of money. All right. So let's, let's, let's take a look for a second. So we got Mike Conley, um, you know, probably starting up the season, Mike Conley, Tony Allen, uh, Chandler Parsons, Zach Randolph and, and, and uh mark uh, yeah marcus all um how long can they how long can they keep starting tony allen i get what he brings defensively and i get that you know he does a ton but as we saw in the playoffs a couple years ago and you know teams teams really didn't split as much as i thought they would but uh yeah you can pretty much ignore him on offense and until they got to take him off the court so uh and he looked i mean i, I guess right now it's pj harrison jordan adams uh they, they Andrew Harrison, I guess, even though he's really, you know, I guess supposed to be a point guard. Uh, Lance Stevens hasn't resigned, so they don't have a lot of options at two guard. So I, I guess they might keep this up. Hey, Vince is still there, Vince Carter, so he'll get a spot. Minute. Yeah, Vince. Uh, Troy yeah. Daniels, they they, they picked up him, and that's that's an interesting name to me. Yeah, um, we'll see. We'll see. I I could. I don't know. I mean, I guess clearly there's a reason he hasn't <laughs> playing, but you know, his shooting off the bench is is worth having. So. You know, that's I think that's a nice addition. So, yeah, I, I they, they're definitely missing one nice wing off the bench, like one more really quality wing. Uh, there's no doubt about that. I mean, Vince Car- Carter is, you know, he's he's uh, he's done the deal with the devil one too many times for me to really expect he'll be able to, you know, put up, you know, decent numbers off the bench yet again. But who knows? He's been doing it this long. Maybe he's got another year left in him. He's uh he's uh, I've stopped. I've stopped doubting that Vince Carter can or can't do things. But. But yeah, uh, like I said, I mean their bench is a little bit weak, but I, I really like the starting five. Even if you do replace Tony Allen in there with a with a less lesser known wing, um, it's a shame they they dumped uh, Courtney Lee because Courtney Lee would fit so great at the two uh, next to Parsons and and Randolph and and uh, and Gasol. And then even when you when you take Randolph out, since he's probably only been playing 25 minutes or so. Uh, maybe even less than that, and and you can put Parsons in there as a small ball four. That 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 would be a really good look for them with like one more really quality guard like Courtney Lee. But um, hey, I still like this team. I'm still high on them. Uh, I've always been high on Chandler Parsons, so uh, hopefully this is this is the team he's really able to uh, be as good as I think he can be. And uh, we'll see, man. We'll see. One of the league's like biggest mysteries to me, and, and one day someone's gonna answer this for me. How does Courtney Lee keep getting bounced from team to team? He seemed to be just this ideal player. I, I mean, does he have tremendous body odor? Is he is he like a foot sniffer? What does he do? Because the guy can shoot, he can defend, you know, twos and some threes. He plays hard. He seems like he doesn't make too, like a ton of mistakes. Uh, what is it about him? Because I think this is his like I don't know fifth or sixth team in the last. It I, I don't. It's confounding to me that he he was that that now he's on the Knicks where it seems like a, a, a good quality team would love to have him either, either as their startup starter or their first backup off the bench. Um, yeah. It's just amazing to me. So Memphis also uh, drafted a couple. No, go ahead. It's yeah. What, what it's, is, it's probably what been, it's probably vindication for him missing that alley-oop uh, against the Lakers and what game one of the NBA finals. I, th- I think uh, he's still being punished by the basketball uh, gods for that. Yeah. Yeah. When he missed that layup and, and the Magic actually could have beat the Lakers. Somebody actually could have taken down the Lakers, and uh, and he missed, he missed that alley oop. 
the yep. rookie, man. You can't, you can't, no. Basketball guards, guys wouldn't hold that against a rookie. They wouldn't do that to him. Because, yeah, that's one of the most, if anybody listening who doesn't remember, Orlando and Lakers, like, no, they, they met in the finals. Very first game, came down to the last play. Orlando ran an alley-oop, like an inbounds play where Courtney Lee was catching a lob at the rim, and he was wide open by himself, and it just rimmed out. And I think it went to overtime, and they lost, and then they blew in the series. And I've all felt bad for Courtney Lee because that was his last – yeah, right after that, I think next season, uh, Orlando let him go. And he, ever since then, he's been like a nomad. Um, so what do, you, what do you see Memphis finishing this year? Uh, I'll, I'll say they get 50 wins. Um, prep. They, I think they can go over that with health, but um, I'll, I'll say they get 50 wins for sure. Um, and uh, I don't know, man. Like I said, I, I could see them as the fourth seed with home court advantage, but uh, I've seen some other people putting them sixth or seventh. And, you know, you know, if, if Gasol isn't quite right or Parsons gets hurt, then, yeah, I think that's also a decent landing spot for them. But definitely a playoff team in my mind. Yeah, and this is one of those years where, you know, we'll say fourth through seventh could be separated by, like, two, three games, you know? So it, it's not an insult to say. I think I had them fifth um, somehow and right ahead of Portland and OKC, but that could be, like, a two-game difference. And just because I had it in the rundown when I sent you and because I'm a big fan of Wade Baldwin, uh, Wade Baldwin myself, they drafted uh, they drafted Wade Baldwin and they got uh, Deonta Davis, who I really wanted in Boston. They got him in a, in a draft day trade. Quick thoughts on the, did you watch did you follow them at all at all in college and, and what do you think they could possibly bring to the table if not this year, a couple years down the line? I mean I've I've heard good things. I'll, I'll be honest. I don't I don't know too much about them, but I've I've heard good things, so uh good for them and I hope they're as good as uh as uh people seem to think they are or I think they are able to be. Okay, so I'll say it this so it's on the record and if I'm wrong, I'll delete this podcast. I think Wade Baldwin has a chance <laughs> to be I think right behind um uh, my man Chris Dunn. I think Wade Baldwin has a potential to maybe be one of like one of those really good point guards in the league eventually. That's my take on it. And Deontay Davis, I think from the get go he can help. He's he's one of those prototypical modern power forwards. He can run, he can jump, uh, or modern big man run, jump, dunk, block shots. Uh, you don't want to feel you don't need him. You don't need to run plays from do anything else. But even as young as he is, I think he could be a a difference maker in the next year or two just doing those things. Um, so we, we kind of ran Memphis to the ground and I don't want to keep you t- forever on your Sunday, even though, cause yesterday I screwed up and thought our, our podcast was yesterday. So I'm going to keep you around to forever today. Let's move on to the Rockets. Um, they had a disappointing season last year, no matter how you slice it, you know, coming off of Western conference finals. They, I don't know what happened. Uh, some people say Harden came into the camp out of shape because of an ankle, uh, could it be they, they got a little bit content and got a little lick in their chops? Either way, their their last season started off stumbling, and they basically stumbled through 82 games. Uh, every time they thought that, you know, it looked like they might catch a good wind, they'd lose a few in a row. And they ended up, you know, right at around 500. Golden State called them practice in the playoffs. And uh, it's really easy to, you know, look at their last season and, and what a disappointment it was, you know, but they started still, no matter what you say about them, I think he ended up averaging like 28, seven and seven. Uh, he shot decent percentages, especially late in the season. Um, last year changed the way I look, view him a little bit as far as his leadership ability and, and what, and maybe as he's, he's not maybe the guy to lead kind of like I picture Carmelo Anthony, where he's a great talent, but you still need a strong leader on the team. Um, I think they got him a little help. I think he's going to thrive in, uh, in coach Dan Tony's system. Um, they also brought in guys like Eric Gordon and Ryan Anderson. 
uh, to boost the three-point shooting because even though they jacked up a lot of threes, they weren't a good three-point shooting team. Um, and I think it's almost by addition by subtraction because Dwight Howard and, and Harden had their issues, and I think that bleeds into the locker room. So uh, new coach, uh, they locked up Harden, and he's reinvigorated with a new contract. Ryan Anderson, Eric Gordon, Sam Decker is back. Uh, Clint Capella had a summer to, 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 you know, he had a year now. He might be getting on his feet. They brought in Anuaku. Houston's always been in the mix. What do you think all these moves mean from them this season? I I think Harden, um, I, I agree with the, the questions about his leadership, but uh, I also think, I think it was Kevin Durant who, who was talking about how he's under, you know, he's underappreciated by people outside of the NBA. And I think that's definitely true. He's, he's so, so talented. And sometimes it gets overlooked by, you know, his defensive gaps and all of that. But I, I do think he's a really, really talented player. And I, I would expect that he bounces back this season. Um, you know, whatever conditioning problems he has coming into last year, I think that's something that he can, he can get over and, uh, you know, he'll, he'll be motivated. And he was, he was really good at the end of the year too. Um, let's see. Uh, I, I don't, well, I don't hate their signings this season. I think they're going to be, but I'm concerned that this is going to be the best they are going to be. Like this year, um, I don't see how it gets better from here. Um, certainly Ryan Anderson should be fine this year. Eric Gordon hopefully will be healthy for them. You know, uh, even if he plays half the season, he definitely gives them shooting. But, you know, at at year four of Ryan Anderson's contract, at year four of Eric Gordon's contract, uh, I don't think that's going to be looking nearly as good. I don't think that's going to be uh, – don't think that's going to be too pretty for them. Uh, but yeah, this coming season, I think I think they'll work out at least. I, I have, I, uh, I I think pretty much that they'll have one of the best offices in the league, especially with D'Antoni installed there. Um, it would it'd be hard to see them not be, you know, at least a top five offense, maybe even better than that, because they have all the pieces. They have the shooting. They have, you know, Harden leading the way, and he's such an efficient, solid scorer. Um, uh, yeah, with with D'Antoni D'Antoni in the lead, you have to think that. So they'll be really good offensively and uh, defensively. I guess it comes down to Clint Capella and how much he's able to do. I have questions that they're going to put too much onto him and that he's not going to really be as good defensively as they hope. But certainly I think this is a playoff team or, or very, very close. You know, I think they might be one of the teams duking it out with the Mavericks uh, in the final few weeks going for the, for the eighth seed or maybe even the seventh seed. We'll see how close it is at the end. Yeah, that's the most interesting part is with the new coach and the system. Uh, I guess, are we still going to see Harden, point Harden? Um, I, I don't see how else they're going to do it, but I, I really think that's kind of holding them back that he start, he initiates so many uh, possessions with the ball in his hands. It kind of puts a cap on how effective he can be because he's the best shooter. Uh, if he could play off the ball a little better and that's my who they can trust with the ball besides him, I'd feel a lot more comfortable whether they'd be moving forward. And you actually nailed the thoughts on Clint Capella. I was going to ask you that next because – uh, sure, the guy has a lot of talent. He's a he's a pogo stick. Uh, come down the middle, he'll he'll cram on you and and you know he'll put you in the rim. But you know he's a second year guy, and uh, Onowaku's probably not ready. I think Onowaku has a lot of talents, a lot like Clint, where he's a you know strong rolling to the hole. He can protect the rim a little bit, athletic. Um, so what happens if they overload those two? You know, you you hit the nail on the head. They're talented. What's the basement for this team if if those two aren't up to the task? Yeah, like I've I've heard people saying Capella should be like better than Dwight Howard was for them last year, and uh, I just I just kind of you know sure Houston fans like you're allowed to be homers, but just know that I'm not gonna 
not going to listen to you if that's, that's that's really your opinion. Like, come on, man. Uh, I mean, I like Compella a lot too, but I, I don't I don't see him having that much of an improvement or like so seamlessly filling a role for them. So yeah, uh, there's there's concerns if if Capella isn't up to the task and you know if if Harden isn't quite who who we think he'll be or you know has a similar start to last year. There's concerns that this team you know might not be able to reach 500, but uh, I think I think they they clearly have the talent to hit 500. Um, and anything they can do on top of that, it just kind of depends on how well they're coached and how locked in Harden is and how much Cabela can uh, can really do this season to me. So so I'll I'll put I'll put 500 on their baseline and something would have to go really really wrong or really right for them to be too much like way higher or way lower than that. I mean, I think we're we're I'd be remiss if we didn't mention the you know the man himself, Nene, man in the middle. So well, if they got Nene, everything's going to be good. Now, um, I really think they're going to – Montrezl Harrell, I think is, he, the kid can really play. Him and K.J. McDaniel, they're going to have to go younger and faster. They're going to have to – and actually try to get these guys, Clint Capella, Montrezl Harrell, K.J. McDaniels, get out there and let them run, I guess, because you're not – I don't know. Your ceiling with Pablo Prigioni and Jason Terry is, you know, very, very, very low, I think. So what do we think, 500 and fighting for the eighth seed? Yeah, I think that's about where I have him. Honestly, as as I think about the roster, like – I could see an argument for 45, 46 wins, but uh, like I said, I think this is a tie. I mean, they've 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 tapped out. Like they've they paid eighty million dollars to Ryan Anderson. They paid uh, like forty five to to uh, Eric Gordon. Uh, I, I don't think either of those guys will. I mean, as as we go through the seasons, as we go down a few seasons, what eighty million for Ryan Anderson? Is he going to play over eighty games like all four years or any of the four years? I mean. 45 for for Gordon he's is he going to play more games than that in a, any given season uh I just I just think that you know they're they're clearly going to be a little bit tapped capped out um just by the signings they made this summer here in two or three years and I think it's definitely on a downhill thing but but from the signings you know I think they're they will make them better now so you know who knows maybe maybe they do get that 45 46 wins maybe they do end up with a 6 7 seed um, I, I'll be interested to see. They're they're definitely a team I want to kind of watch early on to get a get a good judge on exactly who they can be. I also want to let everybody out there know that uh, Ryan Anderson is going to make over eighteen million dollars this year. Yeah, that's creepy. I do this voice. Um, that's a so, lot of money. <laughs> hey man, so and again, let me ask you this: stats that mean absolutely nothing. Give me a quick projection of their offensive rating this year and where they're going to rank points per game. Oh man, you did this to me. Uh, let's say, oh man, the Warriors were like one ten last year. Uh, one twelve is like really high. So what? I don't know. Like, can you see him going for one oh nine, one oh nine something I, like I, that, and like third in, third in the league maybe? I, I definitely could. I could also see them giving up one oh eight. So we, who knows? Oh yeah, but uh. Yeah, because like I said, the last year they didn't have they shot a lot. They didn't shoot it well. Eric Gordon and Ryan Anderson can really shoot it. Harden can really shoot it. So they might they might break some three point records this year. We'll see it because they're gonna get them up there at a hellacious rate. I got them. Uh, I'd be I'd, I'd be myself. surprised if they didn't break the the three point attempts record at least. Right? They're gonna get them up. They're gonna put them up at a record rate. So yeah, yeah. you're after, I, that that that'll be fun to watch at least. Yeah, I got them, I got them finishing eighth this year. Um, so we'll we'll see. I. Houston fans are so good. I guess the plan must be to maybe somehow move these guys for uh, another big name because Maury knows, and I think maybe you'll agree with me, 
the two the, the at least two star thing is a real thing. You got to have at least two big guns. And right now it's just James Harden and Trevor Ariza and freaking Patrick Beverly, and that's that that's not really quite enough. So interesting to watch, man. It's interesting to watch. Um, we've that's enough on the Rockets, guys. So Rocket fans, don't yell at us. We we did it. We touched everybody. It's good. Pelicans. Um, again, a lot like Houston, uh, but for different reasons. The Pelicans had a very disappointing season last year. They were injured. They were they were just. I mean, Brow was in and out of the lineup. Uh, Drew Holiday missed a lot of games, and they even got paid because you know almost like the fraudulent deal with uh, Philly with Drew. Um, uh, who else? Tyreek was in and out of the line. When he was played, he was really good at times, but he just couldn't play. And they were bringing guys in on short contracts who would play all right and get hurt. They they ran through a lot of players last year, the Pelicans. And um, it's funny because coming into last year, I, you probably heard it too. What did you hear about uh, Brow? This year, he's going to be a top five player. He's going to revolutionize the game. Well, this is what happens when you put too much on a player so quickly. Because as good as he was last year, he wasn't as good as his year one or year two. And uh, his team, the team made him look bad because when they don't win, you know, who's it going to be put on the best player in the game on his team? So it kind of like, I think it kind of hurt his reputation. It kind of tarnished his image a little bit. And it's not fair to him, but it is what it is. Uh, I think we build up players just to tear them down kind of. And when we talk about best players, he's been a forgotten man uh, the last year and a half. So uh, coming to this year, they, you know, they, they added a couple role players. Uh, they, they drafted Cheek Diallo, who I really liked again. I wanted him in Boston. They uh, signed Langston Galloway. Uh, they drafted Buddy, Buddy, uh, Buddy Heald, who may or may not be the shooter score they need. Solomon Hill, I think, would be a valuable role player. They got Terrence Jones to come in and Antoine Moore. So they didn't make any huge moves, but they, they, they actually bolstered depth a lot. And hopefully for them, they can keep uh, keep Brow healthy because that's that's where it starts and stops. Um, so that's what the moves they made, which none of them are huge. But Anthony Davis and Drew Holiday should be back. Are they? Did they do enough to get themselves back to the playoff picture? I I I maybe, but I, I don't think so until I see it. Um, I think I think there's too many questions and still injury questions and all of this stuff that. You know, I think in in the West just is so good that uh, I don't I don't quite have them in in the playoffs. I think they're like a 38, 39 win team, maybe you know something something around there. I think that's a reasonable projection for them. Um, I've I've been thinking a lot about Anthony Davis, uh, just like how good he is and how how like you said, like he was he was built up and then torn down just so quickly. Um, the, the question that's been going around that I've seen a few times in the past couple of weeks is. Would you take Carl Anthony Towns or or uh, Anthony Davis right now? And uh, on one hand, it's weird to me that so few people are picking Anthony Davis because he's still so good. And I think one bad year, one down year, not even a bad year, just one down year compared to the seasons or, you know, one year where he didn't take the steps we thought he might. Uh, I, I mean, right. certainly that's not enough to get that far down on him. But, you know, at the same time, I think I would take Cap. I mean, I, I think I would take Towns over – over Davis and it's it's so close and I think Davis is still so good but you know it's it's weird that even one one season that's not quite what we thought it was and now we have very different opinions of, of him so that's that's it's just a weird weird way that the NBA works you know what I'm going to say it's a little bit of recency bias uh, bias um let me say that clearly so people don't think I'm an idiot a little bit of recency bias because we saw Cat. Uh, when when rookie of the year last year and we have good footage of him all year doing amazing things while brow most of the footage of him was on the bench you know in a, in a suit and um i would i still say i would 
and you got to consider injury, but take the injury factor out of it. I think I would still take Brow for the simple fact that he's here. He reminds me more of a Kevin Garnett type. He can, he's a little more uh, perimeter based on the floor. He can face up a little. I, I'm a little more comfortable with him attacking from the perimeter. I know, I know Cat's awesome. Um, I also know his team last year was in the lottery. So, I mean, it's, it, it's it's really hard to say, but yeah, you you gotta look fact the injuries, but you take the injuries out of it. I still think he's a top ten player. I don't know if you agree with that. Still, it's just, and he has a lot to prove. That's the main thing. You're right. Until you see it, you you can we can we can sit here and pontificate all day. He has to prove that on the court he's that type of player. My issue with last season, what people were saying was, he had no go to move, and he, he it showed up this year. He's a, an immense talent, but a lot of that talent still unfocused. And until he gets a pet move or, you know, he figures out where his attack zones are and he figures out where can he he can really be most effective, where he's unstoppable. And, and then he says, OK, now I'm unstoppable. My teammates can get involved until he does that. He's just going to be a great player putting up 25 points a game throughout the flow of the game, whether they win or lose. Um, so I'm excited to see him develop. I hope I hope he gets healthy, too. It sucks how many games he's missed. Um, where do you rank him? What do you rank him right now? Say, you know, we, we all know, I'm pretty sure we all agree LeBron, some, some order LeBron, Steph, and and KD are one, two, and three. Where, where if you're doing tiers, or where do you rank him? Yeah, yeah, he's he's definitely like a second second tier guy, but top ten for sure. Um, I don't I don't know, like without without having players in front of me, I don't I, I I'm not going to put a number on it, but you know, some somewhere in the top ten for sure. I, I think I still have him. Um, you know, just, just, he's just so good. And I think the one thing I liked is that like probably when everybody was more down on him than they had been all season, you know, and I think recently bias is definitely part of that, but he went out and he dropped a uh, uh, 51 points. I think that was, his, I think it was a 51 point game. Uh, and he kind of dropped that in March when everybody was uh, talking about how they might take towns before over him. And you're just like, Hey, this is a reminder. I'm, I'm this good. I can do these things. So um, I thought that was a, that was a that was cool to see and cool to get that reminder. But yeah, in general, he was he was not that player for most of the season, and uh, it'd be it'd be really great to see him get back there. Yeah, man, injuries suck. They really do, and uh, I think he, he's gonna be great this year. I like I really like Solo Hill, Solomon Hill, and the Terrence Jones guy. They got lower scrappers, and they just got deeper. So let's hope they stay healthy. Where do you see him finishing this year? Uh, I've got him probably eleven or twelve. Um, you know, I. I if everything hits right, you know, you can always see him go for more, but, but I'll, I'll say 11 or 12 this year from, from what I've seen out of them and just the level of confidence I have in uh, all of their players to, to be what they can be or just stay healthy and all that. Yep. I got him finishing 10th, man. I, it's funny. I just tweeted this out like on a lark a, a few, a few weeks back, but I'm, my goal is to stick with what I said. So when people make fun of me later on, at least I'll, I stuck with it, right? But yeah, I see them. I got them tenth. I wouldn't be surprised though if they finished sixth. You know, let's let's say Brow and and Drew play seventy games and they put it all together. I wouldn't be surprised if they finished like sixth or seventh. Um, but speaking of, I didn't really, I, didn't, I don't think we really talked about it. Buddy, uh, Buddy healed. Um, I know, like, I'm not a big college guy either, but uh, you know, you, you've seen film on him and you probably watched the same Draft Express videos and maybe you did see a little more on him. What do you think? What do you think his prospects are as a pro? I actually did see a lot of field. I, I wrote on him. I was out in Vegas summer league and uh, he was one of the guys. Oh. I probably the biggest thing I wrote was on, on healed. So I, I am pretty familiar with him. And honestly, as bad as the summer league was, it wasn't, it didn't scare me or it didn't make me think that he's not going to be able to do it. Um, you know, he had, he had problems creating his own shot at times. Uh, I think that's a concern, but I think to me, it just, it, you know, kind of, it was a good reminder that he's not going to be a one or two option. You know, he's, he's an off ball third, 
uh, third option type guy, I, I think at a ceiling. And I think that's fine. Like I, there are a lot of the shots he missed were just open shots he missed, but you know, I've, I've seen four years or I know from four years of college of, of watching healed and, and reading about him and hearing about him that, you know, he's going to hit open shots. And a lot of the shots he missed in Vegas were just open shots that he missed. I, I don't think there's any reason for them or some, you know, some reason to decide that he's, he's going to be a automatic bust, but I think it's just, you know, he had a, had a few bad games shooting and, you know, there was other reasons he struggled and, but he's, he's not going to be the number one option. And uh, I, well, I talked to Alvin Gentry for the story briefly and, uh, he seemed pretty convinced that, you know, put him on the floor with Drew Holiday and Anthony Davis and things will be completely different. And I, I tend to agree that, you know, put him in that setting, uh, you know, get a little bit more focused and let him just get take open shots, hit open shots. You know, I think I think he can do that. I, I think he'll be a lot better doing that. And uh, I think he's a little bit more athletic than Jimmer was, too. Um, you know, I'm not saying Jimmer, Jimmer was athletic, but I think I think he old has. Uh, a little bit more on him than that. You know, he, he showed some things off the dribble. He showed some mid-range jumpers and in Vegas, even even stuff that missed eventually. Like, I, I still saw good moves from him and good ability to, you know, get get layups here and there. Uh, that I think really is going to help him. So, yeah, I'm uh, I'm still high on healed. I, I don't think he's anything more than a, than a scoring, you know, third option, fourth, maybe a fourth fourth starter. But I think he can definitely be that. Yeah, I I, I just got to see it. Uh, him and him and uh, Jamal Murray, especially Jamal Murray, I, I'm higher on heel than than Murray. I just I want to see them play at this next level because it, it, I'm stereotyping them because I mean we all we all say that you know you never know with the player, but there's certain there's some there's there's something too talking about that next level athleticism and speed, and I don't know if either one of them have it, especially Jamal Murray. I, I I'm glad. Would, would you which which would you prefer in New Orleans, heel or Jamal Murray? Probably healed. Yeah, I, me too. I, Jamal Murray to me was, I I would stay away from him. And I, I, people are gonna kill me. I hope I hope he's good because I like Denver. I like what Denver's doing. But nah, I'm not a big fan. Hey man, we made it. We made it through the whole Southwest. I, that was pretty good. Pretty how, good. How, how'd you feel about it? Yeah, it's pretty good, man. Doing we, good, I think man. We covered, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I said yeah, forty five minutes. Nice. I said yeah, forty five minutes. Solid and, uh... Yeah, there you go. <laughs> hey man, what, Sorry, what you got, got going on? No, we're but I'm a little bit of a delay right here. Yeah, that's right. We're doing all right. Hey, what's your what you what do you guys have going on at Mavs Moneyball this summer? Anything for us to look out for? Uh, pretty exciting on Monday. I, I'm guessing the podcast. I'm I don't know which day it's going out, but uh, uh, on Monday we have a a reported feature on Harrison Barnes from Rio. We actually have someone in Rio. And, oh, uh, no, we did we did not fly him out there, but uh, <laughs> it's uh he he happened to be there for something else for a journalism thing and uh. It's pretty cool. So we're gonna get a uh, a story from from Brazil from on Barnes that I, I read and edited, and it's it's real nice. Uh, it's I think it's a good read. Um, then besides that, let's see, uh, nothing much coming kind of coming down the the pipe. Uh, I I do have one story that I'll promote since I'm here. I guess uh, I have something on DeAndre Jordan and Demarcus Cousins uh, that's that's oh. coming on SBNation.com here in uh, uh I think Monday or Tuesday for sure. So. So those are those are the big things coming, coming uh, in my life and uh, my job. So stuff to watch out so for. So you guys, you guys follow that, right? So you got to make sure you check out Mavs Money Ball in the next few days, and uh, we got something big on Bar- Well, not well. No, I'm gonna say it. Something big on Barnes from Rio coming, and my man Cato has a Demarcus Cousin, DeAndre 
Jordan piece coming out too. So something to keep an eye on, man. Um, hey, I got real quick. We got we got time. We got a couple questions from Twitter. Yeah, and, let's go. Let's go. Yeah, they're pretty bad questions, but we're gonna ask them anyway. All right. So, um, <laughs> my, my man at Tony Arzat Five. Hope I said that right. Tony Arzat Five. He wants to know how many ships as championships will Harry B win as a Maverick. I mean, it has to be like 22, 27, something like that, dude. That's the record. <laughs> I mean, not he's, one, he's like not two, not three. He's like not three four. times better than Robert Ory. And Robert Ory got what, seven of them? I don't even know if that's there true. He's go. probably not even better than Robert Ory. God, now, now I'm getting depressed. <laughs> no, you know what? Seriously, though, what, give me if what stat line, what's the minute, what's the, and I hate to just use stats because we know it's more than just stats. But if he finished off the lead, finished off the year, what what numbers would he put up this year to win for you to think? Okay, this is gonna be okay moving forward. What's the minimum? I, I think up? that I think that he can. I think he can get up to fifteen points on, uh, like hopefully the, the the efficiency is the question. But I, I think he can score fifteen points pretty easily. I mean, he was a good scorer in college, and uh, when he's he's just gonna be taking more shots. You know, he was he was what a nine points per game, ten points per game scorer with with the with the Warriors but like there's things he can do he can shoot enough times he can get to the rim enough times that he'll he'll score 15 a game uh and Carlisle he's he, Carlisle isn't a system guy he doesn't have a system that that he has to install um so he he's gonna he's gonna kind of construct an offense around Barnes that can do well and I think it's gonna be a lot of not Barnes creating because Barnes clearly isn't the best dribbler and not the best creator but uh, it will be a lot of you know screens and off off ball off ball movement for Barnes that will get him in open space and get him curling to the basket where he just has to take a dribble and then try to dunk it and I, I think that he'll be okay in that. I mean the question is not whether he can score 15 for me, but whether he can do it on 45 percent shooting or whether it's going to come on 40 percent shooting. And I think that's the big question for him and for for the Mavericks in general. But you know if if he can if he can do 40 uh, 15 points on let's say even 43% shooting and 37 from behind the arc. Uh, I, I think I'd be happy with that, honestly. I mean, I think that's, that's in his, in his grasp and that that'd be the stat line you're kind of looking for out of him. Yeah, man. I mean, which is crazy because again, the money he's getting, if that's what we're expecting from, and you're absolutely right. I'm, I'm not expecting anything more than 15 to 17 points from him. Anything more than that. And that's, that's what I'll be pleasantly surprised in Harrison Barnes. So, that's nuts, the kind of money that they're throughout this summer. So, um, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. So, hey, but we did good. We fought through the delay. I guess there's a couple second delay here. We we overcame the adversity. Um, we overcame your, 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 my, dis- well, my mess up yesterday. And, um, after literally years of talking about it, I got you on the podcast, man. I appreciate you coming on. And, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, no, this summer. I I didn't have to fight through yesterday. I was just day drinking, my man. <laughs> just just out yeah, there at the pool a little bit, but yeah. That was me. All <laughs> me. My bad. I don't know. I re- I read the DM wrong where we talked about the day. I'm like, oh yeah, Saturday. But you you clearly said Sunday. That's all me. Um, I, I had yeah, a good man. time though. I I enjoyed I enjoyed my afternoon. So sorry we couldn't make it work, but uh, glad we finally got this done on a uh, got done today. Because you're right, we have talked about this for for way too long. Yeah, man. So everybody, uh, my man Tim Cato. Uh, you can find him on Twitter at Tim underscore Cato C A T O. Um, he runs the MavsMoneyBall.com. and I think you run the account too, the Twitter account too, right? Yeah, that's mostly me. Yep. So, uh, yeah, check him out, follow him, uh, talk to him, make fun of him on Twitter. Um, well, 
That's right. No, make fun of him. Yeah, he's a Dallas guy. Make fun of him. And um, fun of me. yeah, man, I, I look forward to having you on during the season, man. Uh, uh, you know, of course, Dallas is, will have more time to talk, and I'll definitely call you up to be my Dallas guy. Sounds good, man. All right, brother. Take care. That's Tim Cato, man. Good guy. Uh, and the, yeah, I, I got to work on that little delay we got on the podcast. I keep talking over him. So yeah, real good show. Uh, interested. Yeah, Mavs Moneyball. They're pretty high on Dallas. They, you know, a lot of them saying fifty games. I just don't know, man. I just don't know. But I keep betting against. I keep betting against uh, Rick Carlisle, and he keeps making me look silly. He makes a lot of people look silly. Smart guy. So that's it for the Southwest. Division. Um. Yeah, I, I think no one's really scared of the Southwest, right? Other than the Spurs, there's not probably. I mean, there's there's not a lot of real challengers out there, and it's so funny to say that because last year we all felt the same thing about Golden State. You know, championships there's to lose until they lost it. So they added uh, a real big piece, Kevin Durant going on there. Even though, man, that's one thing. My bad, Tim. I didn't even ask him really about Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook. That was supposed to kick off the show. Um. So yeah, that's it, man. Uh, got nothing else. I think next week um, we're gonna go to the Southeast Division with another big name to come on and join me and talk. It's gonna be cool. It'll be a lot of fun. Um, yeah, it's, well, I'm gonna talk on myself real quick. Then I got time. Whatever, it's my show. Uh, yeah, Kevin Durant. I'm bummed. I'm bummed just from a competitive standpoint. I want to see the best play against the best. And his OKC Thunder gave Golden State all they could handle. And just like that, that's over with. Uh, he just joined them. And it's his choice. It's not a not a stay on his uh stay on his his character. But the way I view him, and I think a lot of people say, say the same thing, the way I view him as a player as this, you know, one of the foremost uh leaders in the game and wanting to be wanted to be that guy to challenge LeBron James. He said it himself a few times how he was tired of coming in number two and he wanted to be number one. And he'd been right there. He won MVP in 2014. He was number one. He got hurt and he was fighting his way back. And he claws way back. And, you know, OKC was one of the best teams in the playoffs. You know, he, he did it. He bounced back to number one. And then you just go join a team with another uh, MVP and a couple all-stars and big personalities I don't know. And it's just, that's not an indictment of him. I guess it's just how we view players. We think we know them and we don't, and that's fine. Russell Westbrook, same thing. Uh, people were saying even before KD changed his mind, Hey, there's no way K- Russell Westbrook is going to stay. He's out the door. He doesn't want to be there. Um, you know, the, the fashion, he wants to be in New York, LA. Uh, he, he wants to go back home. And, you know, right when KD left, you know, we had respected, basketball guys from ESPN and other places tweeting about how there's no chance Russell Westbrook would ever resign an extension and renegotiate. He's out the door. They need to trade him right now. Here we are a month later and he signed a, you know, for an extra two years, extra year. We know he, he's going to opt out at year 10 and, and get big money either in OKC or somewhere else. But the point is he did it. I mean, he could have been gone next year. He could have, he could have finagled his way out of there right now. Russell Westbrook said he, he wanted to stay OKC. You know, and he's proud of his guys and all that. So that's a big deal, man. I'm happy for OKC fans. I wanted to see uh, Boston maybe trade for him. That's West, that's Russell Westbrook. But um, he he chose to stay, and that means a lot for OKC. If they can uh, develop Oladipo and Adams keeps developing, I mean, hey, they're going to be in the playoffs. I, I don't see them miss the playoffs. They're gonna they're gonna give every, some team all they can handle in the first round. So it'd be interesting to see. 
All right. So um, yeah, that's that's south. The Southwest Division is done. We got a few more left to do. What we got? This is compelling radio. Uh, yeah, I got the Southeast next week. Um, I think I think Atlanta is going to be my feature team in the Southeast. Um, I think so. Let's take a look. Uh, my feature team. Oh, my feature team in Atlantic is going to be Philly. Uh, I got some uh, import, uh, special guests coming on to, to rep Philly. In the Central, my special guest is from oh the Bulls. Got somebody to come in to uh, break down the Bulls with me, and then we'll cover the rest of the teams: Cleveland, uh, Indy, Detroit, Milwaukee, uh, Southeast. Yep, uh, the Hawks are the team that, that, that are going to be my focus. We're going we're gonna to drill down the Hawks a little bit and the moves they made. Um, then, yep, we got the Northwest and and the Pacific left. So, uh, be interesting, man. Um, I'm try to do one of these a week. So uh, thanks for tuning in. Uh, this is James Holis, a.k.a. Snotty Drippin' on Twitter. Follow me and talk ball with me 24-7 there. I love it. Uh, you can read my stuff over at B-Ball Breakdown. But for the Instant Offense Podcast, I'm out. Thanks. Lord, Lord. 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 All night Sunday, Sunday. Follow me now. Say hi, Dick, get your rolling hip hop. Say, Jerry.